0: In the far future, faster than light travel is possible via portals called Stiffworks. Human and alien civilizations travel this way for millennia. Trade, war, and technology proliferate. Countless societies rise, thrive, fall, and vanish. Eventually, almost everyone forgets the secrets of the Stiffworks. Almost. 300 years ago, the Worshipful Company of Still Fleeters is formed on Spindle, a space station of unknown origin. They send fleeters into the void using stiffworks in search of profit. It is 100 million years in the future. Welcome to Float City.
1: Previously, on Float City, the crew plus Vatnome Torres escape Grafa just barely after Venos uses Millen's gravity gun to defend against an oncoming horde of brain rats, and seemingly splits the island in two. Steady Hand Dealer, Pirate King, and holder of the cork sword had just let the crew know that he'd managed to delay the distribution of arms, but only perhaps momentarily, as a mysterious figure had been approaching groups of pirates to arrange arms deals directly. A highly unusual move, betraying confidence and power not normally seen by the pirates. That mysterious figure would seem to match the description of one Shasho, the Saffron Anox's slow-talking Deva whom the crew met on Rigamont B. If the crew wants to stem the tide of weaponry to Graffa, they have to act fast. Luckily, the path for that task and investigating who set them up to take the fall for Zestino's failed murder are one in the same, and at least through their bosses we join the team now having just had a brush with death and a legion of brain rats in the near bays on spin
2: And Oat is kissing Mercus all over the head.
3: Oh, okay, all oh, right. Oh, you little wet
2: wonder, Mercus, I love oh. you. I love you. All look right. At this. You know this, look at this little guy, <laughs> I thought, Marcus. You're the
4: best. You
3: can refrain from affection. <laughs> Mercus no. is hard.
2: No- oat, oat, oat. Mercus
4: is hard now. Please stop doing that.
3: Mercus is crossing his arms.
4: <laughs> I think I think Remy looks at Mercus and says, "You know, I thought you were slippery." That's pretty impressive.
3: I think I dried out a little bit, just enough to have a little traction.
4: Yeah. Remy I starts a, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, Remy starts tootling a jaunty tune.
5: Beta holds the end of the of, of the flute, grabs for the end of the flute, and is <laughs> gives an eye at Remy and says, not not the time.
4: Remy puts away the flute, takes out some gunch, and
2: rails a line. <laughs>
4: yeah. Marcus. Off his Marcus, arm.
5: <laughs> Marcus, listen to yes,
2: me. Yes, so. I am going to give you The thing every Harajun hates to give, but must in this circumstance. I owe you a life debt.
3: (gasps) Oh, oh, you don't you don't need to do that. Oh. I am bound.
2: I am bound by the ways of the Harajun, I think. It has been so long. But I feel, (laughs) I feel, I feel like a life debt is appropriate. And it is mine you shall have.
4: Remy finishes this this line. (coughs) Can I just interject? What? What is a- Oh, what the fuck are you saying? I what does owe that mean? Marcus a life. Okay, but I mean practically, does that mean you gotta kill someone? And Remy looks at Torres. Or is it just what, what's the <laughs> What? What's the mechanic? Are you kidding?
3: <laughs> Why did
2: you lean Torres? I just helped. Me and Marcus just saved hey,
3: everybody. Hey, from little the guys, pain. stay
4: out of this. Stay out I of this.
3: Ca- all right, all right, everybody. We I need was, to just I, calm down.
4: I was just asking a question. I had no idea. I don't know. Oh, you're closer to Taurus. I was just like, all right, well, that guy's not, you know, he's just there. Maybe
2: that's a life debt. I don't It's whatever Marcus says it is. Remy just walks away. To save. Oh, OK. Well, I'll finish for the rest of you. It could be <laughs> to save Marcus's life. It could be to take the life of someone who Marcus desires to be dead. I don't, I'm honestly making this up as I go along. I don't remember the <laughs> definition. memory
1: isn't what it used to yeah, be. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's, you know, don't forget, I was asleep for 60 years and aged very quickly. I think I got some amygdaloids uh, mixed up in there. But definitely, life dead is real. I did not make that up. There was a ritual involved. I don't remember the whole thing. But the important thing is Marcus. And he grabs your forearm with his forearm. I think this is the way you do it. I'm your man.
3: All right, Oat. I'll accept that. Oh, and he, thank he God. pats your shoulder with the other hand.
1: <laughs> it's you're looking at Oat when he grabs your arm, and it's like, you know, maybe it's like, I don't know if you forgot or like, it's just you guys have been moving around a lot. You've been going to a lot of places. Like, Oat is old. Like, Oat looks old. And also, Oat looks very happy, like oh. someone who just had his life saved, and that he is thrilled to be alive. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot going on in his like weird, you know, dog ape face.
3: <laughs> well, oh, Beta and I were the ones that made you come with us on this mission. <laughs> so, <sighs> that is true. You are part of the crew.
2: I'm part of the crew now more than ever. Um, I hate to break up this uh delightful bonding uh, moment that y'all got going on, but- um, Oh, right, right. Yeah, I was promised that if, you know, I helped y'all get through the gate with the navigation stuff that y'all could send me back to
3: Narcosa,
2: please. Yes, Taurus, One,
3: y- one more thing for you, actually, and uh, you can hear it as he takes it out of his bag. the The stylophone, the old stylophone, just goes a whoop whoop like as he takes it out of his pocket. Please give this to Deep River. <gasps> it's evidence, and then he scribbles really quickly. I will find you, and then gives it to her. <laughs> gives it to Taurus.
2: I see my time of being hard is not only not over, but perhaps chapter two is just beginning. He, and he, he, he adjusts, wait, what is he? He gave the bandolier away, right? Who's got the bigger uh, heat ray gun? I
1: believe Remy has it. Remy oh. has? No, I
2: do, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. About that. Torres <laughs> removes uh, the bandana from his forehead and underneath is a smaller bandana. And he, says, <laughs> he yeah. gives the, the top bandana to you, Marcus, and says, from one heart to another, wish me luck. I promise you, I will deliver your package. And to you. The bearer of the weapon that I created by sweating and clawing parts out of the sewer and the water from the brain rats. Wear it well and do not use it in anger unless it is great and righteous anger. It should have about two to three more charges left. I pray you shan't need them. Remy says, actually, you're probably going to need this.
4: Just chucks it back to him.
2: Oh, and (laughs) Taurus flinches and just sort of kicks in. Oh, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Wait, no. And he picks it up. No. You take it. My time with this weapon is over. I shall go back to Narcosa the way I left Narcosa. Soft. And he takes off the, <laughs> <laughs> He takes off the last <laughs> bandana from his head. Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm <laughs> I am confused and tired and I just want to go home. Please keep that gun. It makes me think about brain rats and pooping in a jar that I found. And I just want to go back home and be normal. I will give this to Deep River.
3: Okay, Uh, Mercus puts that bandana on top of his current bandana because he's already wearing one.
2: Two bandanas, huh? I used to be just like you.
3: (laughs) But then I learned my lesson. You can't go home again if you're
1: hard. (laughs)
3: <laughs> no I'm double Marcus
1: I love the timeline that Torres is on like everything is just happening in like <laughs> rapid yeah. all at
4: once Marcus uh, send this motherfucker back I'm done I don't want to hear this anymore wow
3: mercus puts a hand on torres's shoulder and then the other hand on the stiff work because uh, it's just a spin side uh, gate so we can just burn two grit and open it up
1: you've done this before you are familiar with tacking to Narcosa. you have done it I would say recently enough that like yeah the tack map is in there so yeah just burn burn your two grit uh, and yeah nothing visibly changes uh, the the black rock of spin is already black the open stiff work is black but suddenly just the room uh, the bed Feels slightly bigger,
3: and you feel you hear the uh, bloop 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 of the bulbous fingers, and he says goodbye, Taurus. Hey, you know, it's almost
2: like the real being hard was the friends we made along the way. Mercus
3: pushes him a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I have completed my narrative arc. <laughs> gentle push. It wasn't a shove.
1: The the gravity switches uh, in this stiff works a little bit quicker than the other ones, and Torres takes a couple steps into the the blackness of the open circle, and then instead of walking, just falls through back to Narcosa, shouting about his narrative arc all the way. (laughs) You are now alone together in the near base. What do you want to do? Um,
6: As they watch Torres, Venus has turned towards the rest of the group, and so as they kind of turn back away from the portal, Venus is staring at all of them. It, it may be because it's so dark, but Venus looks scary. His eyes look black. The tattoos that remain around his eyes and run down his face look more like war paint or, or as though somebody's enduring themselves before a terrible ritual. Venus also probably looks like he, he feels. Um, he's just killed people to save themselves, um, and he knows that. He doesn't know how many um, but he um, is horrified by what he's, what he's done to save themselves. And he knows that he has to make it worth it. And he stares at them with his arms folded. The way I see it, our lives are forfeit. When we are found on this ship, we will be killed or imprisoned. We must not be found. We must find the archivist or Shashun and interrogate them. Or Algar? Or Algar himself. We must be ready to kill and we must be ready to get answers.
3: After hearing Venus, Mercus exhales says, I'm, I'm very spent from tacking twice in one day, but what should we do next?
4: <clears throat> well, I for one, Venus, love your energy. Personally, I'm hungry. And you know, <laughs> I can't think of a better meal than our, our, our buddy with the uh, Beatles for a beard. I would like to eat his teeth one by one after ripping them from his head. <clears throat> How about you guys? What are you, what are you, what are you guys feeling? I, I, you know, we can put this up for a vote.
5: Beta is a little far farther away from the group, kind of looking at her crew. She sees Oat, Oat, looks older than ever. Uh, Venus, fire in his eyes. Mercus is exhausted. She can see Mercus trying to fight through, get the energy, has never quite seen Remy so hungry. And it, she knows it's her job to keep the crew healthy. She walks over, she goes, there's no time for rest. Remy, give me, give me that gunch. Of course. She gives each person three pieces of gunch. <laughs> I think that's a lot of gunch Because <laughs> I agree. We have to talk to Algar.
4: I recommend y'all snort that. It hits way harder.
5: <laughs> All right. Mercus gunch is up.
2: <laughs> it's it's what, three health per it is. Sorry, while she's looking that up, who has the orgammon postulate? Uh Maybe. Venus
6: does. Venus does.
5: Uh D six health.
3: One hit. Mercus just spreads the gunch on his cheek and it absorbs into the oh. slimy.
4: Nice. Oh, that's good. That's, Whoa, good. that's good. Like a salve.
3: Yeah. All right, Beta. Where's Algar's room blob?
1: Beta, it's hard to describe. Like you, when Mercus asks where Algar's room blob mm. is, for one, one part of your brain is like, I have no idea. Mm. But then another part of your brain at the exact same time is like, wait, no, I know exactly where it is. You don't you don't think you've ever been there, yet you know exactly where it is.
5: Beta is confused by this, but is not going to try to figure it out. And she says, follow me.
1: Venus
6: follows immediately.
5: Yeah. Marcus pulls his hood up on the robe and follows.
6: Um, as he as he follows, Venus uh, sticks the gunch into his robes. He's He can't imagine putting anything in his mouth or nose at this moment.
4: <laughs> I think Remy notices and is like he just nods.
1: You walk through the strangely quiet environment of Spin um, as you're navigating Beta, everyone to uh, Algar's place. He lives in the the upper flats. Um, you see a few people coming and going. Um, you maybe see some folks like going to the canteen or leaving the canteen maybe one of the tavern blobs is open late. Uh, you maybe some people are going to the green for like a late night rendezvous but you really only see maybe maybe a dozen people at most. And as you get closer and closer to the upper flats which is where all of the archivists and the refactors and all of the very like high rank fleeters live and where Algar lives, it gets more and more empty. And it's almost like, you know, a ghost town. It's very, very late. There's no one around. Uh, You do not feel any nervousness about being seen or followed. Um, Algar's flat, uh, which is unmarked, but Beta, you are very sure you're in the right place. Uh, Unlike most of the others that you know, um, uh, and every room blob that any of you have lived in, has a door, has a real, like a hard door There's a piece of material that's slid over a round opening in the black rock of spin that is only able to be opened from the inside. Remy knocks. You don't really hear anything. Uh, Like a couple seconds pass. Remy knocks again. You hear like a distant rustling sound, coughing.
4: He doesn't stop knocking.
1: Um, you You hear from the inside. And it's just slow. It's just steady. Yes, that's extremely threatening. <laughs> uh, you hear, yeah, from the distance, you hear a voice be like, All right, all right, hold I'm on, I'm on my way. Just give me a moment. And uh, you hear some more rustling, and you hear a, a latch from the other side of the door. You hear a creak in this, like, like low tone, like, hard like, um, grinding sound as the door opens a crack. And it just kind of slides over, spins a little bit there in a small Remy
4: immediately punches him in the face and tackles him to the ground
1: <laughs> you there's not enough room not enough room just, to get he, a fist he, through he
4: tries he just he shoves his hands in and starts pulling roll roll combat yeah <laughs> I was assuming the door would open a little bit more but 12 what for
1: real yeah um, he has 13 uh, he's 1d12 plus one like <laughs> uh and you rolled a you rolled a a perfect 12 Uh, Eleven plus one, yeah. Eleven plus one. Okay, still close to crit. All right. You, um, manage to get your fingers, um, around the corner of this, uh, like, round thick door, um, like, in the crack as Algar is slowly opening it, and you pull really hard, and you feel some resistance as you're pulling, because there's a chain that is holding the door, uh, to the, to the edge on the other side. There's, like, a small chain that's there, and you just rip the chain out of the wall, um, Uh, And you send the door, a pretty loud crash, uh, like rolling back into the other side of the apartment. And uh, you have opened up the door to Algar's apartment. It's dark on the inside. Uh, You can't really make out anything that's in there, but you can see that, yeah, Algar's there. Yeah, Uh, Remy
4: Remy leads with his fist and just punches him in the face as hard as he can and tries to knock him down and tackle him.
1: uh, Yeah, roll combat again. Oh, five. Connect. You punch him square in the jaw, um, and you can both see now that your eyes are adjusting to the darkness of the room, and feel as your fist connects to his face that Algar is not wearing his beetles. Uh, he, his face is beetleless. Uh, his, you can see his like mop of gray hair like flopping all around uh, as you as you sock him. Uh, he hasn't even gotten a word out. Uh, he, you hit him, and he just he grunts uh, and stumbles, and he falls back and he like stumbles to his desk um inside the room the rest of you what you see um you see remy trying to beat the shit out of algar um you see a moss wall uh, on the um, i believe it is the right hand side you see a long bookshelf in the back towards where algar is stumbling um, you see a workbench you see a desk uh, on that far wall you see a number of clocks Uh, that are all hung up. They're all the same time. A lot of them are ticking quietly. This is all just lit by the dull light uh, that's coming in from uh, the exterior of the flats, the sort of mezzanine from outside, outside the room and uh, Algar, when he staggers, he falls back, and you know he sort of like is half on his desk, half leaning on his chair. Looks very tired. Uh, like has has not even really focused his eyes yet. Is is puts has his hand over his eye, over his head, uh, and he says, "What?" Remy is- takes out his what? katana and holds what? it up to Algar's throat. Remy, um,
5: Remy, Remy, no, no. Here.
1: Algar Algar puts his hands up and puts his fake puts like is up is up against some of the clocks. You can hear them crunching as he's pushing up against them, uh, like trying to just. And he puts his hands up. puts his hands up. He's not saying anything. Hey, buddy, how's it going? And he he looks he he looks at Remy and he looks at all of you and he says, um, uh, I, I, I Beta I s-
5: runs over and kind of like nudges Remy a little bit so his grip maybe isn't as 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 harsh on on Algar and says we're here for information remember Sure as she looks around the room remembering all the details
1: Algar looks at everyone and looks at Remy Katana's ba- still at his throat. Yeah, yeah, he's not moving and he's not, yeah, he's, he's, he is not aggressing in any way. Uh, he looks at all of you and he says, I, um, I assume this means that the fold gates on Narcosa have been taken care of.
4: Hello everybody, Fun City listeners. It's your boy Bijan. Uh, I mean, you were just listening to me and you will be listening to me afterward, but I am popping in because I have a very important message for you, listener. Okay, you ready? Are you in the right headspace to receive this message? Yeah, great. So your favorite actual play podcast, Fun City, is having a live show in New York City. Can you believe that? It's incredible. It's our first live show ever. It'll be great. It's on July 20th at the Caveat Theater in New York. I'm going to Google the time right now. Right. Tuesday, July 20th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, live and in person, will be on stage for you. Tickets, you can buy them um, at caveat.mlc. Uh They are 18 bucks in advance, 20 at the door, and there will be a live stream. Yes, that's right. You can get tickets to watch the show, even if you're not there in person. Incredible. Just like the magic of technology. Am I right? I know I am. But... I think that's, is that everything? There's no one else in the room with me, but I have an urge to yell. Hey, Mike, is there anything else? Actually, sorry, there is something else. And that something else is that we will be playing Shadowrun. That's right. We're going back to the system you all know and love and that we all know and also love. You don't have to be caught up. This will be a one off. It may or may not be canon. I'm not sure yet. Um, Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm very excited. I've never done a live show like this before with people actually looking at me while I'm talking, you know, Shadowrun and TK and such, but we don't have to get into that now. All I'm saying is I hope there's a salt lick Uh The links will be in the show notes Um But remember Caveat.nyc July 20th Tuesday 9.30pm Eastern Be there I mean where else would you be?
6: Um uh, <sighs> Vino Uh Starts to smile At his little joke Um But his lip quivers Um he takes a couple of steps closer and says, why are we here, Algar? Uh,
1: um, I wish that I knew. Um, Venus I interrupts,
6: why are we here,
4: Algar? <clears throat> Remy says, oh, hold on, don't answer that yet. Do you need your beetles? Would that make you more
3: comfortable? Comfortable. Marcus is standing by the doorway, crossed arms, Marcus, and takes was, out-
4: Marcus, I know you're hard now. That was a joke.
3: Takes out a hemp rope from the Venturer's pack and tosses it over to Remy
4: think we need that so long as... I mean, he knows what this thing does, right?
6: I'm sure he does.
1: Yeah. I don't think we need the rope. Thank you though, Marcus. Uh, uh, Al- and Algar says, I I, t- I have no intention of causing any trouble. Um, Good. Great. And, and yes, I, I would Paint. turn the question back on you. Why Hey, perhaps are- stop talking.
6: Venus, please. What do you know of the dealings between Hracht and the Saffron and Nox? If you lie to us,
2: you will regret it. Algar, I gotta tell ya I just wanna ask you some questions I just thought we could talk to you, But these guys are crazy I don't know what they're gonna do
1: When you say the Saffron and Ox Algar puts his hands down He's been moving back and forth between all of you Like keeping eye contact He's been trying to keep like a straight face He's looked kind of scared um also kind of pleading when you make a joke about him wearing his beetles and being more comfortable he kind of like tries to force a smile uh, and shakes his head a little bit when you say the saffron and nox uh all of that leaves and his face just goes very straight and he looks kind of like frustrated and like disappointed oh my um well what might be faster is for you to tell me what you know, and I can fill in what I know.
6: We were framed for the death of Zasdano, a death that did not occur. And we know it has to do with the arms deal between Cracked and the Saffron and Ox. What we don't know is all who are involved. We imagine you know something about it.
1: Well, but
4: uh, when you say
1: frame,
4: Remy pushes what- the... Katana, closer to his throat. It's touching him, and he's got a... It's very... The implication is very clear that he's going to crush his windpipe if he doesn't <laughs> say anything.
1: Friend, it, you claim to be here for information, yet you will not let me get a word in edgewise. So if you'd like to kill me, Oh, no, just no, kill. no.
4: I mean, I... Oh, no. <laughs> hey, we can get... Buddy, we'll get to that. No, uh, I already told these guys. I gave him a little preview. So you really have nothing to
1: lose. Let's just put it that way. He's hungry. You may not believe me, and I would not fault you but i must say it anyways you you have to understand that i never wanted anything to happen to you it was never my intention uh it was uh um You know, we have a way that we do things here, and um, you know how it is. You uh, take the jobs and you go and do them. Someone asks you to go and get an item. Someone asks you to go and have a conversation with a person. You go and get the item. You go and have the conversation with the person. and You don't ask many questions because that's just what it's like here. You survive by not asking any questions you survive by just believing that what you are doing is the right thing and i believe that what i do is the right thing i am helping all of us i'm helping myself yes i i will be the first to admit to being selfish i'm helping myself i'm also helping you to survive by giving you work by giving you a reason to live by giving you goals and aspirations. And when you meet them by rewarding you for them. So my intentions have only ever been good.
5: Beta is at the bookshelf and she's looking for the book that she gave Algar from the Onvader's estate. Does she see it?
1: Um, roll will.
5: I, I rolled a 12.
1: Oh, no, you don't see it on the bookshelf. And you don't see it on the bookshelf because it's on his desk and it's and it's open. Um, and there is a notebook next to it. Uh, and there are a lot of notes in the notebook. Um, and he's actually, like, kind of touching part of it. Like, he's leaned up against his desk in a defensive position and, like, it's it's there. It would seem as though it is. it has been a, like, intense and recent... Um, uh, uh, focus for him. You also notice on the bookshelf, maybe I mean there are hundreds of books here. He has a lot of books. It spans an entire wall and his room blob, his room blob is very tall. He has maybe dozens of editions of the Zizzlebith Nibblebottom uh books. Like the same book many times, <laughs> the re- the reprints, the first edition, the second edition with the new introduction, uh, the third edition that has been translated into Manted and back again. Like he's he's got a lot of these. So when you're looking at the bookshelf, no, you don't see the book you gave him, but that's somewhere else. And you do see a lot of other things that indicate that he has a, a strong interest in this this scholar.
5: So Beta picks up that book. Walks over to Algar. She is, as she picks it up, she closes it, closes it, walks over to Algar and hits him over the head with the book and says, Where's Racked?
1: His
4: nose starts to bleed. Remy uh, gets out a handkerchief and wipes the blood off. (laughs) Remy licks the handkerchief.
1: (laughs) He, He cradles his face and he's tapping through his hands like, ah, ah, ah. Wow Beta, you of all people, I, I would not have expected. Uh, wh- what do you hope to get from Hracht?
5: Maybe some answers, maybe a little bit more than goals to keep us living.
1: Okay, um, for your own good. Um, no, actually, sorry, just to rephrase, this is for your own good. Just to be very clear about what's happening here. Um, for the utilitarian nature of this situation, for equal good for all of us, I will tell you some of what I know. Um,
4: Mm-mm. I will tell Mm-mm. you
1: I will tell you all of what I know. Better. Hracht came to me um, long before your first job. He laid out a very loose plan um, about being able to trade into Kakudun. He was very light on the details, and uh, as I said, uh, I did not ask enough questions. My main job was, um, as he said, to pull together a team that, uh, in his words, no one would miss if they were gone for a little while.
3: Mercus's knuckles crack very loudly.
1: Hearing this, Elgar says, and I mean this, I mean this with the utmost respect. Venus, you... You know, you, you had not been out on a venture in, in so long. You had spent just most of your time in the canteen looking off into space and talking to some of the algae printers. Marcus, you were fresh out of Banshee school. Uh, you had yet to make your mark on the company. And, you know, this was maybe going to be a way for you to gain some renown. Remy, Beta, as I mean, I hate to bring up a sore subject, but your last crew was, um, shall we say, dispatched in such um, inspiring circumstances that the paperwork has been destroyed. You, for all intents and purposes, don't even exist to the company.
4: Oh, that is so, that's such a relief, man.
2: Thank you for saying that. But wait, then why did you put me on the team with all of my experience and talent? (laughs)
1: Uh, Elgar looks at you and doesn't say anything looks at you confused like he's waiting for the punchline oh (laughs) I
6: understand Elgar you wanted someone a team that was disposable but answer me this I have been alive for hundreds of years linearly whoa, and thousands through the twisted caverns of time and hundreds of thousands by the look of the calendar, and in that time I never knew the company to be the architect and the merchants of war. Has that changed in the time that I spent talking to Algie? And he starts to bubble a little bit and turn blue. Or is this the workings of you and Sasho and Hracht alone?
1: He looks a little confused when you say Sasho. like he makes a face like what was that? And he puts his hands up again. And he says, Venus, you have been, to your point, alive for so long. You likely know better than I, and so perhaps you have simply learned this lesson, forgotten it, learned it, and forgotten it, and learned it, and forgotten it. But there are people the void over that describe what we do here as exactly that, as war profiteers, as slavers, as those interested in nothing more than rank and profligate excess of gaining resources just for the sake of having them. And I think that they're wrong for all of the reasons that I said. We provide for people here. We give them a home. We give them purpose. We give them, we give them family. We give them friends. We show them the- vo- he, he looks at Beta, he says, "Beta, think of... think of everything you have seen out in the void. The planets that you have been to, the species that you have seen, you would have seen none of it if the company didn't rescue you from that from that hole that you were pulled out of. You all, owe everything you have. To the company. You would have nothing, and in some of your cases, he looks at Remy, you wouldn't even be alive. You'd be floating in the freezer of space for a, another million million years.
3: Merkis mar- not- marches forward and sticks his snout to Algar's snout, nose ring touching his nose.
1: <laughs> Algar smells really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh-
3: Provide... Did you consider that we would survive
1: this? I, to be perfectly honest, when Hracht said to find a group of people that no one would uh, miss Okay, for, all right. No,
4: Algar, uh, buddy, I'm gonna stop you right there. And, um, I have one question for you. Do you know where Hracht is right now?
1: I would guess that he's in his flat. I Wonderful. don't know Wonderful.
4: Th- Do you know where that is?
1: I can, I can find out for you, but- Can you
4: find out now?
1: Uh, if you would let me get up, please.
4: Uh, I don't Murcus's think I want
3: nose is pressed I don't think <laughs> I want to do nose. that
4: And neither does Murgus Murgus is hard now I don't know if you realize this Murgus has killed many people It is
3: fucked, man Murgus turns to the side And spits on the ground
4: Okay, so Algar, buddy Is there is there a place in your desk? Can you point us to it? Just to show us Show us where
1: where the Uh, information is. uh, If you go into my bedside table, there is a small book that has the contact information for all of the... um, Beautiful.
4: Thank you so much. Uh, Remy puts his katana down. He sheaths it. And then he holds both of... Like, he holds his hand to Algar's face. Like, you know, like sort of like a lover would, just like to one of his cheeks. And then Remy (laughs) uses consume. (gasps) (gasps) Remy! No! How much skin do you think is on a human
1: base? (laughs) Two kilograms. Oh. Roll combat.
3: Mercus is still nose to nose with Algar.
1: Ten, Algar rolled move to sort of sense your intentions to hurt him, um, and he he did pretty well. But let's let's play it through, yeah. And we'll see. So what happens Remy there.
4: Remy's just Remy just puts his hand up to Algar's cheek like you know you would do to a lover. You just and then sends his nanites into his flesh. I mean that's, that's Algar it. is
1: is very suspicious of this action uh, because you know for obvious reasons, and so he like kind of starts to recoil. Algar rolled a 12 um, to dodge he manages uh to like just i think get out of the way of the nanites barely like they chew away some of his face and you can see these like bloody circles sort of starting to form on his purple cheek uh and he gets up and he he gets up and he's like kind of sitting on his desk now and he says, and he, and he puts his hands up and he says, I don't, I, I listen, you can take whatever you want up with Hrakt. If you would like to go all the way to the top, as, you know, I've heard them say, uh, you, you are you are more than welcome. I can't imagine what you think you are going but to convince him of. I can't imagine what you think you're going to get from him. I can't but, imagine. But you're going, but going to go, you're going to take Shh. the, you're going to take on the what? Saffron Anox. It is literally unthinkable.
5: Beta... Okay, Beta seeing all this going on uh, and, you know, all the wreckage, and she kind of looks Remy dead in the eye back to Algar and says, Remy, he's not worth it. He's nothing.
1: Algar rips open the drawer that he's uh, leaning back against that's behind him. And he Look very out! quickly produces a laser pistol and his hand is shaking. His hand is shaking like a leaf. He doesn't even know who to point it at. He definitely yeah. is not pointing it once at Beta. He's like holding it up and he's, he's not really pointing it at anyone in particular, he's just kind of generally brandishing this item, and he's looking at Beta, and he says, Beta, I would have expected so much better from you than to just continue to consort with these people after you found out what they were like.
5: Beta turns around, suddenly, like, seeing so clearly all of these like warning signs that she hadn't seen about Algar. You know, she knows so much she's lived so long, but she's just been blinded by this idea of love and like a relationship. And she like suddenly is like without fear, looks directly at Algar in the eyes, walks up to him and just grabs his wrist tight and grabs the gun out of his hand. Making extreme <laughs> eye contact with him as, he, as she he,
1: does it. He essentially just gives it to you. <laughs> and he, he looks at you, he looks at you, like, very close, and he's like, Beta, le- leave them. Just, le- just let them go on their quest. Just Im- imagine, and he's, he's tapping on the book behind him, imagine the life we could have together. Imagine what we could you be- could be an you could be an archivist with terminal access. The the whole void could be yours. Imagine what you could learn about yourself, about shootzas, about about whatever you want. Just just let them go.
5: Beta, Beta exhales and she says, I know. I've seen it. And you know what? It's not worth it. And she Shoots the laser at his foot.
1: <laughs> yeah, roll combat.
5: Whoa! I don't want ki- to. I don't want to kill him, but I do want to. I do want to put him in one place so that Remy stops eating him.
3: Yeah, Marcus hadn't flinched up until this moment until he backs away when Beta <laughs> shoots the laser pistol. Oh my god!
5: I got a two. Ah.
1: You you shoot the ground directly next to his foot, um, and he squeals, and he puts he raises a foot, and he puts his hands over his head, and he loses his balance and falls to the ground, uh, and he's like in a in like the fetal position basically on his side covering his eyes with his forearms um and he's kind of like he like whimpering a little bit and he's saying please don't kill me please just don't remy, please don't uh, please don't kill me
4: remy takes the pistol from beta and looks at her and says so you don't want me to you 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 want me to i
5: beta, i've only I, done what i was beta. told i've
1: only done what i was
5: told i would like i would, like, my job. To, I would yeah. like to
4: do this but yeah. if you say no i will not
5: Beta, without saying no, takes the gun back from Remy, points it at Algar, looks Remy dead in the eyes and says, find out where her act is.
4: Yes, ma'am.
1: Remy, you turn around and walk through Algar's apartment, his room, set of room blobs, uh, the direction he pointed. It's very nice. It's really big. You walk through a kitchen, essentially, and dining room, uh, and then you walk through another hole in the black rock of spin to a master bedroom where there's, uh, you know, you can see it's just barely lit uh, by some recessed lighting. Um, Is the bed made? Uh, the bed is unmade. He it's like very messy. Uh, he just got out of it. Um, yeah, Remy
4: Remy makes the bed before
1: he looks <laughs> in the drawer. That's no. fucking psycho dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
4: wild. Like it's perfect
3: yeah. for Remy because like, yeah. Remy was thinking.
4: I'm thinking like obviously like this is a moment. Beta needs to have a moment with Algar. He needs to think he's gonna die for a little while. Take some I don't time. just go get one thing. You know
1: there. Uh, there is a small, like round mycelium table with a drawer and, uh, yeah, it's got one drawer when you open it, there's like a very silly, uh, like blue floral bound book inside of it. And, uh, when you pick it up, you can see on the edges, it's got little, um, marks uh, for all of the letters of the alphabet. Uh, and if you go to C, you can find Fract's exact location, uh, in, uh, in the flats. Looks for it yeah yeah, you got it you, you can you find out exactly okay. where Remy he is. pockets the book while Remy is in the other room. What's everyone else doing?
3: Murgis is nudging Algar's bum with a boot and just uh, you know making conversation like Algar, did you have any orders for if we survived and came back?
1: Um, I mean the, the intention was that you would survive and come back. No one thought you were going to die. No one intended for your death.
3: Hmm. The Nolastrian guard was called, saying there was a dead fleeter.
6: And that we were responsible.
3: You wouldn't know anything about that, would you?
6: So perhaps not dead, but we should be locked up. For murder.
1: You... You will perhaps um, have to ask Archivist Tract as um, many of the more detailed portions of the plan are of his creation, but my understanding is that you were to have spent, I mean, I, I'm sorry, you were pawns. You were being used. You would have been paid handsomely for uh, your involvement. I mean, you likely would have spent a couple days in a Nolastrian lockup. Someone would have submitted the right paperwork. You would have been released and your records expunged, returned to spin, and likely given a promotion.
3: Marcus looks at Beta for permission. <laughs> yeah.
5: When um, Algar said pawns in that thing, she moved the gun even closer to him. And she. I, can she tell what Mercus is is asking permission for?
3: Mercus is very audibly tapping his boot. She, she nods. Mercus gives Algar a swift kick
1: in the ass. And from behind his arms as he's hiding, Algar's like, Is there not something? respectable about being a pawn that you are useful to someone else and Remy walks back in the room
4: uh, and hands the book to Venus Venus takes the book
6: yes and let's talk about these goals your goals is for what to send a planet into war for millions and billions to die for us to be a pawn in the deaths of the innocent where is the honor in that is that what you ask
1: us right now The honor is in doing whatever it takes to provide for the people here on Spin.
6: You claim that people have said that the company is a bunch of warmongers for years. But that's not what we are. That's not what we signed up to do. That may be a mantle that you wear proudly, but it isn't one that I signed up for or was assigned to. I wouldn't take it if it was. And none of the people here would. You're a murderer.
4: You know, Algar, I have to thank you. I didn't realize the company thought I was dead. I am i didn't realize I was free. I didn't realize I, could, I can just do whatever I want. I could kill you and then hide in the far bays and no one would ever know. No one would care. And I just want you to know it is by the grace of Beta that you are still alive.
5: Beta is continuing to aim the laser pistol at Algar, says to Marcus, tie him up, make him wait. Yes, ma'am. We'll deal with that later.
3: Yeah, Marcus ties Algar.
1: He's kind of, like, resigned to this. Uh, he has maybe done the calculation that, like, he's not going to win, and if you let him tie him up, maybe you won't kill him. So he kind of just lets you do it. It's, um, it's sad.
3: As he's doing this, he's whispering into Elgar's ear, wait until my 25 brothers hear about this.
1: Elgar just lets out a long sigh.
4: Mercus, I know you're hard. Good hogtie, love to see it, bud. Can you put something in his mouth? Something degrading preferably, but anything will do.
3: Surely, and he grabs a handful of the moss from the wall and stuffs it into Algar's mouth
4: if you want to plug one of his nostrils too just to make him suffer a little bit
3: yeah I don't think this is enough he grabs a second handful Ah, keeps putting it in his ah, mouth
4: block those airways just a little bit make him uncomfortable make him think about his life and how much it's worth
3: and he grabs a little pinch and puts one in his ear just to annoy the shit
5: out of him with that Beta drops the she drops her arm with the, with the laser pistol Throws it in her toe Kind of a little too nonchalantly <laughs> And looks at Venus and says Lead us to her act
6: Follow me
1: when you leave algar's um it's getting a little bit later and you can hear more voices there aren't there still aren't a ton of people out but there's definitely more people around and uh yeah Hraq's, uh room blob is um only probably like a 5 minute walk it's further up, though like what does that mean in spin no one really knows, uh, but it's basically like higher up, because uh, he is a higher class uh, individual he's got a higher rank, uh, so you have to go up a couple flights of stairs uh, but after a while, uh, you are at the location uh, that has been, that was written in Algar's address book. There's no name on it, um, but it is different from all of the other um, uh, room blob entrances that are around. Uh, the porthole, the like hole in the Uh, in the rock of Spin is larger uh, than all of the rooms that are around it. And um, you've maybe seen this, like, a little bit um, around this portion of Spin where lots of very, very powerful people live. Uh, You know, some of the highest-level archivists are up here. Um, Much like the poorer parts of Spin, there's no door on cracks Room blob, You can see a short distance um, into this extra large um, aperture uh, that there's like a, a wall and like, you know, maybe you have to turn left uh, to go in. Like you're not looking directly into his apartment. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks like you can just enter.
6: As far as I'm concerned, we have all the information we need to know that Hrak Pran planned this. He deserves nothing but death.
4: Remy says to beta so you're really not going to let me eat him? really just saying. no.
5: We'll deal with it. It's fine.
4: Look, it's cool.
5: Beta doesn't even look at Remy and says, we'll deal with it later. God, I guess we
4: process anger in different ways, huh?
6: (laughs) Venus doesn't like that there's not a door. He knows that the only people that don't have doors are so powerful they don't need them. So Venus's heart starts racing, but he's determined and he walks in.
3: Beta follows.
6: Yeah, Remy's right there.
3: All right, Marcus nods and walks in.
2: The interior of the chamber is a cleanly chiseled half sphere, a perfect dome. At the top of the dome, there is a floating pulsing sphere of what appears to be some kind of luminous, plasma or some kind of device, you can't tell because it is pulsing with this creamy golden light that paints the white interior of the dome with the light that would come from the last light of the sunset. In the middle of the dome is an enormous glass sphere in sort of a fishbowl Shape flat on the bottom, and you can see up at the top, open the round portal at the top. The entire thing is completely transparent, but you cannot see very far into its interior, for it is filled with a viscous mist. There is nothing else in the chamber, and as you enter, you hear, Oh, look. The Loose Ends Brigade has returned. (laughs) Hey, nice to see you too, buddy. And as that reverberates throughout the Golden Dome, from the center of the great glass fishbowl sphere floats a nude cracked, his toes dangling, pointing straight down. And as his naked body nearly spherical approaches the edge of the great glass bowl. You see that his body is sort of covered in like six, seven, how many are there? Ports. Each one ringed with some sort of cyborgian biological metal about the size of a plum. And in them you can see in to his body. What's in there? Too dark to tell. But it looks like a baby could stick its hand in there and pull out whatever it wanted.
4: I'm not going to say nice dong, but I just want you all to know that I'm thinking it.
2: It's not, actually. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a it's, a, it's a bad dong. It's a bad dong. It's a bad dong, but you can just tell from how unused and uncared for it is that it doesn't bother him in the slightest.
4: Wow. Yeah, no, I think I think it, then it becomes almost, an, ironic, an ironic nice dong. It is, you
2: know what I mean? It is vestigial. At best. Good to
4: see you again.
2: I assume that because you are here, something has gone terribly wrong.
4: Oh, yeah, we're supposed to be dead, right?
3: Wrong for you.
2: I take it you've also spoken with Algar? No, no, we didn't. Sp-
4: I I wanted to speak with him. I just believe you me. I wanted to speak with him.
2: You're lying. He levitates up, out, of the top of the bowl. Curls of mist follow his body as he leaves the top. And he just levitates directly in front of you. Um, about 20 feet in front of you, uh, his toes are just barely uh, touching the floor. And you can see now that, like, whatever moisture has beaded on his uh, flesh is being absorbed very quickly into his body. Tell me,
6: whatever the saffron anox is paying you, for providing you.
2: Are you sharing that with the company, or are you keeping it for yourself? What the Saffron or Knox shares with me, we share with everyone. The things you speak of, you do not
3: know. Everyone, except us?
2: Everyone.
6: Yes, the things you share. The things you share. What, do, what are the things you share? War? Death? Is that what you intend to share with everyone? When we're in, in jail or we're dead? What will you do with your life, Jeremy?
4: You know, I would like, personally, just a bit more information about the whole, you know, this this is a classic evil plan sort of scheme, and I'm, I'm curious what what you thought would happen to us first, and, you know, what part of the plan is not working.
2: The intention was to turn the governments and the people of Karkudun against the Kho by making it appear that the Kho had killed one of its own, who was engaged in peacekeeping activities. And by doing so, press the people and the governments of Karkudun into trade networks that are controlled by the Saffron and Nox.
4: Well, I mean, I guess that
2: makes sense. That is sufficient.
6: Yeah. Does the company know about your dealings? Is the company happy to march into war? No, of course not. On your account? Do you
2: want to stop me? Do you want to kill me? Are you here to fight?
5: I don't think that anyone would miss you. Oh, hey, 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 that's
4: mean. Somebody would, right? It's got to be at least one guy, right?
5: Well, I'm referring, Remy, I'm referring to when he said that no one would miss us.
4: <laughs> Sorry, I'm furious. I'm just, I'm not, my, my brain isn't, I'm, I'm taking the, you know, this this cheer is, a. it's an act. We all know this, yes? Yeah.
2: You're right to be angry. No one could possibly hold that against you. But I would offer you some advice now. Run run away as far as you can from the co, from the Anox get as far as you can from any stiff work and never let your face be seen again if you want to live that is my advice to you
6: you are a disgrace to the company good and I don't know what
2: they'll do to us after we kill you The worshipful company of Steelfleeters is like a knot of seaweed tossed about on the waves on the edge of a great black sea. It is a useful concentration of talent and resources, a brief and minor reversal of entropy. You are like the Ko, a plant that looks for the light. You have no conscious direction of your own. The co has no conscious direction of its own. Like an animal who cares for nothing but the continuation of its blind survival. You're a beast in a world that needs a mind. And so my advice to you is to run or to perish. So, like, um... If we
4: were going to smack your shit up, uh, how hard would that be,
2: in your opinion? I suspect it would be harder than you would care for. And as he speaks, out of each of those ports on his body floats one each plum-sized, shiny eye. Well, gang, what do you
4: think? Remy just turns around and, like, is talking to everybody.
2: He
6: dies.
3: Mercus cricks his neck, says, I'm not running.
4: All right, well, that's good enough for me. Revy turns around and uses overcharge. And just his skin starts rippling and starts flaking off.
5: Beta doesn't say anything, takes the laser gun out of her pocket and is holding NTS in her other hand says, let's get started.
1: (laughs) Racked stands, sorry, floats in front of the lot of you, his eyeballs floating all around him uh, in a circle. The room is filled with mist, and behind Racked is a large fishbowl kind of thing that he has just emerged from. The first person to act in initiative is Remy. What a beautiful thing.
4: Uh, I just want to say Remy feels ecstatic right now, just to start. But I think what he's going to do is he's going to use Flechette, um, which is a nano bio power. burn two grit. You shoot an intense hail of tiny charged nanite arrows for target. You get a plus two to hit on the attack roll, and the resulting damage is 2d6. But because I have overcharge, I'm going to do more
1: stuff. So, uh, Hrakt, roll your movement to dodge. You have to beat an eight.
6: Uh, I do. Vino's um, cast Detune. At any time, I could burn six grit and make someone, anyone, fail a roll at which she just succeeded. (laughs) Take me through it. Yeah, so Remy Remy changes his
4: stance. He holds out both of his hands, like arms fully extended, and out of his palms, you can see there's like a massing blackness in front of them. Um, and you know, like you can see this sort of distortion as these tiny nanites sort of, you know, if you can see them, that's a lot of nanites. And he shoots them out of both of his palms, uh, and is aiming, just aiming for the general vicinity of
2: Herak. But before they can reach Heract, one of the eyes that's orbiting Heract emits this sort of pulse that almost puts a sort of shake, a waver in the air. And when that pulse hits the nanites, they lose direction. And we
6: see the nanites start to slow and stop. And that the entire action of these orbs and their disruptive power have all happened inside of the eye, the dark black eye of Venus. Venus is completely still and calm. And as he's projecting this in his mind, he twists his head slightly and the orbs do nothing. These swarming nanites of Flechette fly straight on into Hracht.
1: Remy, how much damage does this do? Seven plus ten, that's seventeen. Archivist Hracht, you are sure that your floating optic robots would disrupt this nanite swarm, yet it seems as though it has both happened and not happened, and you are hit for seventeen damage, somewhat inexplicably.
5: Detuned is so cool. That's
1: the coolest
2: shit I've ever heard. (laughs) Wow. They hit him in the face. And we see some of the flesh wash away, just like a sandcastle at the tide. It just sort of like almost blows some of the skin off his face. And you might even see a glint of a chrome bone somewhere around his temple. And he looks at you and he says, you are not the knaves who left Spin but a few days
1: ago, are you? The next person to act is Archivist Ract.
2: One of the eyes suddenly shimmers and vanishes. And beta, simultaneously, you feel your hand get lighter and you look down. Nearer the sun than is advisable has vanished.
3: <gasps>
2: <gasps> that eye just used abstract. You remove an object of mass up to 5x kg and mass unnoticed from a guarded place not more than 10 kilometers away from you. Wow. Incredible. And then one of the a, a, a beautiful hazel blue eye floating in front of her act races towards Venus. And the eye expands into almost like a cellophane sheet and wraps around Venus and then seems to vanish itself. And Mike, I almost don't even want to say what the result of this is, so I'm not going to tell the players what just happened. Mm. Okay, oh. uh, I am. I am going to. Sl- I am going to put it in chat so that you can see what that I just did. Okay, <laughs> so Venus
6: has gone now too.
2: No, Holy no. Shit. I'm no. sorry. I'm sorry. The eye turns like expands into like a cellophane sheet and wraps see, itself around Vitos. But then this, that cellophane sheet itself seems to sort of effervesce into nothing. It's. I think
4: it's. Oh, sil- is that silence?
1: Okay. okay, got it, Taylor. How convenient. Yep, all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How convenient. <clears throat> the next person to act in initiative is Marcus.
3: Marcus takes a, lo- a look around the room. Um, can he use insight? It's going to burn one grit. Um, to sort of look for anything technological in the room.
2: The is only there something- thing. Yes, the 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 device emitting light at the top of the dome, and also. So, should I just tell you what all tech is in the room? Yeah. Right. So there's the. Uh, there's the medicinal atmosphere generators that are built into the latticework of the great glass fishbowl. Uh, and there's the device that emits the light at the top, uh, which appears to be just a very cool spherical lamp that is designed to emit very particular types of visible and invisible radiation. But it appears to be relatively simple. This is like his sad lamp.
3: So, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, This is his therapy light. So Merkus mm-hmm. is just trying to discern if Hracht is powered by something.
2: Yeah, and the other major tech you see in the room is Hracht is fucking full of it. Like, he's full of very sophisticated Archaea right? And there's like, it's not just the eyes, it's not just his eyes. Is that yeah. fair, is that not enough, or? Totally, okay. no, that's great.
3: Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, Merkus just notices the glint after the skin had m- melted off his face. He just sees, like, just kind of squints and notices there's something about her act that makes Mercus's nose twitch.
2: You don't even know what you're fighting against. You're fighting because you're angry.
3: Rightfully so. And um, uh, Murkus, uh looks into his bag, pulls out the Ilithnari button, and just, just dist- staring dead on and presses the button.
1: So, uh, <laughs> yeah. the button is hard to press. Uh, it's, it feels like there's something resisting on the inside and you have to really push on it. And as you push on it, you feel it like grinding against some like internal, uh, like some internal mechanism. Like it it doesn't want you to push it. And, uh, we didn't plan for this. So Taylor, I apologize for making you do this. I forget Um, what the button does. You're about to find out. Uh, we're Ah. all about to find out. Um, (laughs) He's you,
3: gritting his teeth and pressing hard.
1: You push yeah, it really resist. You finally push it, and it feels like it travels for miles until you get this little, like just this beautiful, very satisfying little click. And then a pleasant female English voice emanates from the button and asks you if you what you need. Taylor? This is Artemis. <laughs> it's Artemis? Oh my god, okay. <laughs> yes! Yeah, okay. Um, you, Marcus, has no idea what this is.
0: Hello, Marcus. What can I do for you? Oh, uh, who are you? My name is Artemis. I'm an artificially intelligent assistant. I can order you a taxi cab. I can tell you the weather. Would you like to know a fun fact?
3: Uh, Mercus slaps his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can give you
0: some resources about stress management.
3: Oh, oh, that's not necessary. <laughs> I would actually like to harm somebody named Fract. Do you have anything about dismantling someone named Fract? Searching. Searching. He's got a hand on his hip now.
1: <laughs> Searching. Everybody's waiting patiently while this is happening. <laughs> I
0: found some things on the web. web? Karate. A martial art. Just inventing I shit. <laughs> uh,
1: it just, it just. You you have no idea what it's talking about. What? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's the
3: web?
1: It's also it's like this. It's speaking spin, so you can understand it, but it's speaking like a very very weird, extremely old, like sort of literal translation of spin. So sometimes it says things where you're like, well, "I don't know what this phrase means." Uh, yeah, you, but it reads. Uh, Um, for a while. It just keeps talking.
3: He starts shaking it and he's like, why do the
0: Illinari need this? (laughs) (laughs) Would you like me to add the book Jiu-Jitsu for One
1: to your shopping cart? You don't know what a shopping cart is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next person to act is Beta.
5: Does Beta know? Does she see where NTS went?
1: No. Completely
2: vanished.
5: She immediately kind of is acting out of it's been a long day. She's acting more out of emotion than anything, and she immediately does, it, she she extends herself to NTS. I
1: think that works.
5: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say I need to know where the thing is.
1: That's it, what I was going to say, yeah. Extends. NTS exists. He's not like, removed from reality, so. It does not say, the rules do not say, this is perhaps an oversight, that you need to know where the thing is. Yeah. So, yeah, um, burn uh, D8 grit beta.
5: Uh, okay, so I burn six grit.
1: And then roll four D6 to determine how long it's going to take to get to you.
5: Oh, my goodness. Okay, it total <laughs> is 10.
1: Okay, it w- you will receive NTS to your person, as long as you don't go too far, uh-huh. in in 10 hours.
5: Yeah, beta, so kind of knee-jerk reaction, has had such a long day, has felt like her whole concept of reality kind of shaken. And the one piece of security that she had, not the only piece, but one piece of security she had was NTS. And when NTS was taken, she immediately just like, and this is the first time she's ever extended a part of herself, um, kind of discovering it grabs At NTS with her mind and also with her hand and uh, grabs it back.
1: You know, insofar as you felt kind of adrift without this thing that you have come to like rely on or like use to to feel safe or strong, um, that dissipates somewhat um, for a a reason that's hard for you to understand, but you feel like, okay, I have it again. It's just, it's gonna be a little while. Mm. The next person to act is Venus.
6: Venus doesn't know what has happened to him. He knows that he didn't just get covered in cling Rapid that disappeared for no reason. Um, he thinks it's safest just to pull his shotgun out and fire at Cracked.
1: Roll combat. And Cracked, roll movement to dodge. Cracked um, does not dodge. Uh, four. Cracked uh, is just staring you down, floating, like the big old creepiest. Roll damage. A six. Venus, you level your shotgun and you fire off at her act a slug round it's again it's like you're back in the cave or the cavern for a second it's very very loud in this tiny rock room uh, there's this huge explosion of this as the slug leaves the barrel and it passes through uh some of the remaining nanite swarm it passes through some of this um passes through some of this uh mist uh, that's in the air and it hits cracked right in the side and you can see like a, a hole opens up and you see like bits of metal and like throbbing bags of liquid and he w- winces uh, like just the smallest bit like you've hurt him you've done six damage venos your side hurts like you've just been shot with a shotgun. You take six damage.
3: Oh, oh
5: damn! Yes,
1: Mary and Joseph.
5: <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, <laughs> racked
1: has promised vengeance upon Venus. Oh,
5: god! Oh, damn! Not very nice, Rack.
1: Uh,
6: Venus falls uh, to his knees, uh, clinging his side, and he goes. <sighs> He's promised vengeance on me! Uh, anything you do to him will happen to me!
2: Hrat floats closer to Venus, and he says, Anything you do to me will be visited upon your friend here. Yeah. Venus, haven't you ever wanted more? You are much more than the man who left Spin. You're more than I thought you were. I'll be the first to admit it. Don't you believe? You deserve more than this.
1: Remy.
4: Remy drops his hands to his side. And he looks back at Venus. Says, you good? I'll be fine. And Remy walks up to her act and holds out his hand. Touches the skin and uh, uses Repro which is a power that lets you send your nanites into an electrical device, any electrical device, including a sapient brain, to induce any specific effect
2: possible. All right, so Harakt has multiple devices. Each eye mm-hmm. is a device. His levitation ability is a separate advi- uh, device, and he's got a few more devices that process some of his body bodily ickers. I think... Um... There are four eyes orbiting Heract right now.
4: I think I think Remy's gonna go for the brain and I think he's gonna I think the specific effect is uh more of a command which is just stop um so if the manipulation would destroy the host it gets a additional will check against difficulty seven to remain fragmented or inactivated but alive yeah so I guess yeah you roll will against my or sorry reason or charm, charm. <laughs> critical fail roll the one
2: Remy, wait! But you have to roll against it. I rolled a twenty-seven. Remy, holy moly! Your mind is pierced by high-frequency static. The
4: fuck? Okay, all right. I guess that's a no. And Remy's nose starts bleeding, and he steps
1: back, and it's just like, fuck. Man, you guys weren't kidding about that shit. The hell. I think there's also a moment, Venus, where you, you feel some intrusion into your, into your brain that you do not understand, and then it just, it blinks away, and it's like there's some residual tinnitus, maybe. You don't know what was about to happen, but you can tell that it was not going to be good. All right, I tried. Look, I fucking tried. I got nothing. The next person to act is cracked. Cracked. one of these people has just tried to send nanites into your brain? One of the eyes
2: uh, around Heract, one that's as yellow as the light in the room, floats up between Heract and Remy, and a bolt, an arc of electricity, shoots from the eye to Remy, and shoots from the eye to Heract, and both Heract and Remy vanish, and they reappear in the (gasps) fishbowl.
5: Damn. Hmm.
2: Remy, the therapeutic atmosphere in this bowl is extraordinarily toxic to you. You cannot breathe. Oy.
5: Yum. Where's the fishbowl again?
2: In the middle right of the dome. Yeah. Right, at, straight ahead of you.
5: How how tall up is the fishbowl?
2: Uh, the fishbowl is about 30 feet high from top to bottom. Remy, your lungs and mouth begin burning. Uh, I mean, <gasps> it feels very much like, I would imagine tear gas feels. Uh, like, as if pepper had been smeared down your esophagus and into your nanite-infested lungs.
1: Next person to act is Mercus. Mercus, Remy has just been teleported into this weird thing. I don't know I don't know if Remy is, like, grasping at his throat to indicate that it's hard to breathe, but...
4: I mean, I think I think so, but I don't think anybody would be able to see it, right? It's just a yellow fucking...
3: Mercus is looking up and down, hitting this button, trying to ter- turn Artemis off because she is still talking. <laughs> He's like, shh, shh.
1: Now she's, reading, now she's reading the Wikipedia entry, though you don't know what that is, of something called Karate Kid. You don't know what that is either.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, boy. And he throws her into the bag and um, he takes a free action called Reposition. Ralph Macchio,
0: Personal Life.
3: Uh, Mercus takes a free action, uses reposition, uh, burns six grit uh, to gain an extra D12 for a future roll. He tightens a boot, rolls his shoulders back, and just charges forward. He skitters like a parkour practitioner and is using his lizard-like arms and legs to scale the curve of the dome so that he is above Fract, hanging onto the inside of the dome. And he pulls out a rebreather machine and activates it and drops it to the bottom of the dome.
1: Uh, roll combat just to like be able to get it into into Remy's vicinity. Uh, um, I'm looking. I'm looking for a six.
3: We're gonna use this D12 that I got from great reposition.
4: And Remy's just Remy's just like. Uh, uh, uh,
3: uh, uh. We got a seven, and the rebreather provides 24 hours of air oxygenation and scrubbing for, uh, a large room.
1: Remy, a rebreather tossed by Merkes lands, uh, and sort of, um, spins to your feet, hits your boot. Yeah,
4: Remy grabs it, it shoves it in his mouth, uh, and closes his eyes.
3: Oh, it's like a box, it's like a humidifier, it's like a little thing, so it's gonna help everybody in the room.
4: Still grabs it and tries to put it in his (laughs)
1: mouth. His eyes are still closed. Just smashing a bread box up against your nose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's got to work better closer, right? (laughs) The next person to act is Beta.
5: Okay. (laughs) All right. It hasn't been 10 hours, right? Uh, (laughs) It's been
1: about about three
5: seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. She's looking around. She's feeling helpless. She knows that everything that she could possibly do to her act is going to happen to Venus, and she swore that... She would not let her crew get hurt like they did that last time. And it's it's all of that, you know, Algar talking about what happened to her last crew is really hitting her hard um, because it was her job to keep everyone safe. And she is going to pull out her sword and she's going to use auger.
1: <laughs> she's gonna commune with the sword for a second yeah
5: is this when she, she that's what she uses the sword for right not fine clue this some, right yeah. yeah some samurai shit
1: okay <laughs> yeah you can ask any answerable short question
5: so yeah beta again is feeling all this and she pulls out her sword again turns around you know turns the opposite side of where the fishbowl all the actions going on looks at her sword and basically says how do I work around promise vengeance?
1: Um, as you open up the sword and you shout this and you say this to it, uh, you hear in the distance the sword is like, <clears throat> "Yeah." So I was like at this party and uh, this lady was trying to talk to me and You're she has always this like talking prob- to someone what are you, else. What? Huh?
5: What? Oh wait, you is do it, that you- to trick me every time. You're not talking to anyone else. <laughs>
1: What do you think I'm talking to? I'm just hanging out in this scabbard all day long every day. You got to talk to somebody. I'm going to talk to myself. I'm not going to talk to you. No you, you time know you only, you small know, you, talk. You ever thought about this, that you only call me when you need something? Yeah. Hmm? Why don't
5: Literally. you call just to say
1: hi every once in a while?
5: Maybe when this is all over, I've been in kind of some high stakes situation.
1: Okay. Listen, you and I, we both got things to take care of. You want to know how to hurt the other guy without hurting your guy, the, the friend guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you just got to figure out what you can do to the big guy that just is impossible to do to Venus.
5: Huh. Is impossible in what way?
1: Big guy's got metal stuff. Venus doesn't Venus doesn't have metal stuff.
5: Interesting.
1: Yeah, okay, go. I got to go. I got to talk to I nobody. You uh,
5: don't have anything on your schedule. But I'm going to let you go because I'm going to respect your wishes.
1: No, I'm going to let you go. Okay, bye. Love you, bye.
5: <laughs> so with that, she puts the sword back in her scabbard, turns around, and she yells, you have to do stuff to his metal stuff.
1: The next person to act is Venus.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I have to pay for all this. What is it?
6: Venus is no longer wincing in pain. His side still hurts, but he's, he's, he's stood up. Um, he's just watched Beta try sort of in vain to figure out a general area of solving this problem. But Venus, more than anyone in this room, except for perhaps Cracked, understands the power of promise vengeance, and how unbreakable its power is. And Venus looks at Cracked and says, You are not the only one who could promise vengeance. And he turns to Beta and says, Take care of Cracked. I will take care of the anox And at this, his skin goes completely black. Venus promises vengeance on the Saffron anox Oh, <gasps> and he takes out the star.
1: What's it called? The Origami Postulate. Oh.
6: Dark smoke just envelops his whole body, and then the laugh of demons is heard throughout the room. And he holds the star up, and he stabs it into his own heart, <gasps> and falls down dead.
1: know, leaving Float City. Thanks for listening. On July 20th, 2021, the cast of Fun City is doing a live show at NYC and live streaming it for anyone who cannot make it to the city. Lash, Lux, TK, and Viv will have a one-off adventure that requires no previous knowledge of the New York 2101 timeline, so bring your pals. Patrons get a discount, and that code can be found on our Patreon feed at patreon.com forward slash funcityventures. Caveat is a 21-plus venue and will require proof of vaccination for entry. You can find all the relevant links in the episode show notes and at caveat.nyc. That's C-A-V-E-A-T dot Hi.
4: I'm Bijan Steven and I play Remy Tester on Float City. You can find me online on Twitter at Bijan Stephen, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitch at the same name, and on Instagram at Bijan Cakes. B i j a n cakes.
3: I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Mercus and Meldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram
5: at sandwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon Odell. I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Showdell.
6: Hello, this is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Vinos on Float City. You could find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and in Twitter. On Instagram, you spell G-U-E-R-C-I-O.
2: I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at (laughs) Taylor.biz.
1: My name is Mike Rugnetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rugnetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at FunCityVentures. Float City is played in a soon-to-be-released system called Still Fleet, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Still Fleet. This episode of Float City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Rugnetta. And it grew, both day and night, till it bore an apple bright. And my foe beheld it shine, and pixel riffs knew that it was mine. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall. Remy's flute playing is by Jake Fridkiss, our Fun City art is by Tess Stone, and our Float City art is by Ethan Gould, our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kelly McHugh, Kit Pulliam, and Kestrel. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton. Okay, let's talk about this. Okay, Mike,
0: My- <laughs> that was insane. S-
2: m- sidebar in the chat, Mike. Sure, send me send me your thoughts. Damn. Well, actually, Damn. let's go. To- we- there's too much information to convey. Can we? Can you send us to like a breakout room for a second? Yeah, I don't know how to do that. Um, I think you do want us you want us to
1: just mute? Oh yeah, can you guys just mute? That makes it much.